Support for Internet Explorer comes from Squarespace. With Squarespace, sites look professionally designed regardless of your skill level, and there's absolutely no coding required. The site is intuitive and the tools are easy to use. And if you sign up for a year, you get a completely free domain. Start your free trial site today at squarespace.com. When you sign up, make sure to use the offer code Internet Explorer to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, you should. Warning, this episode of Internet Explorer will talk about adult themes about Sonic the Hedgehog. However, it will not talk about Sonic Mpreg fan fiction. If you came here looking for stories or images of people imagining Sonic as a pregnant man, you will not find that here. And I need to warn you right now because I don't want anyone to come to me disappointed. You didn't talk about Sonic Mpreg. I'm telling you right now, this is not about Sonic Mpreg. This is about other Sonic stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, welcome to another episode of BuzzFeed's Internet Explorer podcast. I'm Katie Natopoulos. Uh, my normal co-host Ryan is not here with me. He is still off in Japan doing like his actual job. <laughs> He's going to be so sad because this particular episode is so up his alley. And I know that he, we talked about it a little bit. He was very sad not to be able to do this um, today. We are going to talk about Sonic the Hedgehog, which, as you know, is a video game put out by Sega, and it has a hedgehog, and he has to go fast. One might even say, gotta go fast. Joining me today is Todd Van Lulling, uh, who is a senior staff writer at Huffington Post. Todd, welcome. Thank you. I am so happy you're here to talk about an article that you wrote recently that um, shook the internet this week. I think uh, everything, everyone I knew just stopped and just, just started screaming and got very upset, slammed their laptop shut. I saw someone just, just push a monitor off their desk. Someone, you Through know. Through their old Sega yeah. consoles out the window. Mm -hmm. um, because you uncovered, you really dove deep into a conspiracy theory that has been going on on the internet for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. um, and you finally sort of definitively proved it. Mm -hmm. And this rumor is that Michael Jackson secretly wrote some of the theme music for Sonic the Hedgehog 3. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. so, so first, can you explain the difference between Sonic the Hedgehog 1 and Sonic the Hedgehog 3? Uh, so Sonic 3. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Other than the one is obviously the first and one I think, is the third. Uh, for Sonic 3, uh, Sega felt as if the character was finally kind of blowing up and becoming mm -hmm. uh, a true like rival to Mario. And so there was talks about this game actually being originally released for Christmas and it was going to be this huge thing. It was mm -hmm. going to be uh, Michael Jackson and, and, and Sega teaming up because um, mm. Jackson at the time was the biggest pop music star um, mm -hmm. kind of ever. And so with Sonic 3, this was supposed to be really like when Sega um, surpassed Nintendo and, and, and won, the, won the Christmas season. The idea of that is still just, I mean, it's crazy to me. I mean, the, the idea of having someone as famous as Michael Jackson be involved in a video game in 1993 is, like video games are kind of still kind of fringe then. Mm -hmm. Like they were kind of just for little kids. Nothing like it is today where the gaming industry, you know, rivals the movie industry and how much it makes. And you actually do have like 
well, eh, some some real actors will voice uh, mm-hmm. video game characters and stuff, but well, it's not like Tom Cruise is voicing, right. You know, well, Michael Jackson uh, apparently was a, a super avid um, video gamer, mm-hmm. um, and he actually teamed up with Sega a couple years beforehand mm-hmm. um, to make his own video game, and so he was kind of already on Sega's radar at the time. Uh, Moonwalker, uh, right? Moonwalker, right? And so, for whatever reason, he he had a, uh, a special affinity to Sonic, and at least according to um, who we we spoke to in in the Sega kind of secret technical institute that that made this game, um, Jackson uh, actually reached out to them to try to get a, a, a secret tour. Saying secret a lot. Uh, there's a lot of secrets <laughs> going on. Uh, so he tried to get a tour uh, at this um, facility that made Sonic because he, he liked the game so much and he wanted to meet the people behind it. Um, and another, uh, the person who kind of ran the, the studio when Jackson would record his hits, um, he said that Jackson would make sure to always have his kind of video game room off to the side. And so in between recording, he would he would be playing video games in the back room. I mean, that makes so much sense. I mean... That's what I was saying before, like at that time, video games were so much for children mm-hmm. and Michael Jackson was so into like childlike stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that was his whole sort of Right, with the Neverland thing. Ranch. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So this is, I mean, speaking of Michael Jackson loving childlike things, right around this time is also when the first allegations that he was abusing children came mm-hmm. out. But this all happened slightly before it. Yeah, so his visit to the Institute was kind of early 93, and then those allegations came out. So you found people who worked on the game way back, I mean, at this point, 20 years ago? 22 years, I think, a little over, yeah. Um, So Jackson's team is actually credited on uh, Sonic 3, and so why... This started becoming a mystery about a decade ago was people started piecing together that the people credited for Sonic 3 as composing the music had actually worked with Jackson in the past mm-hmm. and on, on other albums. And so it seemed weird to uh, the Internet community that there's these tracks in Sonic 3 that sound an awful lot like other Jackson tracks and these known collaborator- collaborators with Jackson are um, credited. Right. So these rumors had been floating around the Internet for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I just want to, so that everyone sort of knows, or can, you can hear the the theory, it started with someone just noticing, who is like a both a Sonic fan and a Michael Jackson fan, hey, these two songs actually sound the same. So this is a piece of music from the Sonic game. And here is the Michael Jackson song, Stranger in Moscow. You know, obviously they sound pretty different in this way because one of them is like an eight-bit. One of them sounds like video game mm-hmm. music, um, but you can sort of tell the, the chord progressions are the same. There's like there's some structural similarities. Um, somebody mixed these two songs up together and overlaid them, uh, so you can really sort of hear how similar they are. So this is what that sounds like. So Michael Jackson, uh, you know, a lot of pop stars don't write their own songs, mm-hmm. um, but Michael Jackson did write a lot of his own music. Um, and he has a really, I mean, like, you know, Michael Jackson's a genius. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had a really interesting way of writing. Um, I think a little bit after his death, this really fascinating vocal scratch demo of him doing Beat It mm-hmm. uh, 
was released. And it's, I mean, it's just amazing to listen to because you hear, I mean, this is not the way that people normally write songs, but you can sort of imagine how he would come up with, you know, an entire sound of a theme song mm -hmm. uh, for a Sega thing. I'll do the verses, then, then I'll do the choruses. One, two, three, four. the video game music he was at, I guess maybe it was just also at the time he was really into beatboxing and a lot of the music he wrote for this supposedly came out of sort of beatboxing mm -hmm. you know ideas he had support for Internet Explorer comes from Squarespace with Squarespace sites look beautiful smart and professionally designed you know unlike that blog that you made when you were 14 which brings us to this week's installment of Browsing History, where we ask people to revisit some of the most awkward and embarrassing moments from their internet past. Hi, my name is Jason, and this is my embarrassing art that I put online on an art portfolio. <laughs> Looking back at this now, if I saw it, I'd be like, that's really great art for a seventh grader, uh, but I was a freshman in college when I made this. All right, so this is my weird piece. One of my weird pieces is called Remembering Your Umbrella. It looks like a long alleyway with a bunch of buildings, and then coming out of the buildings are speech bubbles that say the different seven deadly sins, though it's only four and a half of the deadly sins. And then there's like our protagonist in the bottom right-hand corner, and she like has an umbrella, and she's like protecting herself from the sins and like the things of the world. Uh, the caption for this uh, reads, even though the concept of this strikes me as my most profound, the class as a whole smashed it down as their least favorite. It was posted December 20th, 2005, I guess after the class ended, and right before I was rejected from the art college. Start your free trial site today at squarespace.com. The site is intuitive, the tools are easy to use, and there's absolutely no coding required. And if you sign up for a year, you get a completely free domain. When you sign up, make sure to use the offer code Internet Explorer to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, you should. So it sounds like what we know for sure that at some point he was, Michael Jackson was involved with writing this music along with his co-writers um, who ended up being credited on the, the soundtrack. The one thing that is still unsolved mystery is why Michael Jackson's name does not appear on the credits. Mm -hmm. So there's two theories, right? Mm -hmm. So on the composer side, they all said that they wrote these songs kind of high profile, not really accounting for uh, the, the bleep bloop style of, of the console mm -hmm. at the time. And so when Sega started inputting these tracks into the game, uh, what they claim is Jackson wasn't happy and that uh, Sega kept assuring him that they would be able to up the sound quality for him and make like a special exception, um, but that never ended up happening. And so 
that competes with what is said on the STI side. And um, STI is the Sega sorry. Technical Institute, right? Yeah. yeah. So on, on their side, they say that the tracks were totally scrubbed because the allegations came out and Sega just did not want to, to deal with that at all. And so then there's dispute on both sides of whether um, when those allegations came out, Sega freaked out and was like, we can't have someone with this reputation soundtracking our, our essentially kids game. Mm-hmm. Or uh, Jackson's people says that he ended up getting frustrated about the the sound quality. And so he wanted his, his credit scrubbed. Um, because at the time, uh, he wasn't he wasn't convicted. It, w- it was just allegations. And yeah. it's very murky um, still what the truth is on that. Yeah. But still, that's kind of the heart of why this was scrubbed. Which do you think is more likely to actually be true? It's so murky. Like, um, both sides... All, all of Jackson's composers mm-hmm. stuck by the story that it was because the sound quality was not high enough. Mm-hmm. And then, and so that Jackson was like, this doesn't sound good enough. I don't attach my name to it. Mm-hmm. But, the rest of you can attach your names to it, but not me. Right. Um, on the other side... If you look at the if you look at the timeline, yeah. it, it matches up to the allegations. Yeah. That said, the game was already slated to to come out later that year. It ended up coming out in the in the spring, but it's it's a it, it would be a, it, an awfully weird coincidence um, timeline wise. Yeah, I mean, I think both both explanations are feasible. I feel my personal opinion having. Absolutely no knowledge of the situation other than what I've read that you have written. I'm inclined to believe Sega on this. I think that him not wanting to attach his name to it because of poor sound quality sounds a little bit like sour grapes and cover up. Or that maybe those two opinions came at the same time and so it wasn't like anyone had to fight anyone. It wasn't like Sega was like, look, we're not going to put your name on it. And he was like, God damn it, I do want my name on it. It was kind of like they were both happy to just walk away. I think it was probably somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure that Sega was not happy with associating themselves um, if if these allegations ended up becoming true and they had this game coming out very soon. Mm-hmm. But we, at least according to Brad Buxer, he, he saw Jackson showing off the tracks from the video game just a few months later as if he was very proud of them. So the thing about this whole story that I love is that I think there's very few video games out there that have had for so long such like a hardcore, loyal, insane fandom of people who would literally sit there and spend hours and hours and hours of their lives trying to like, you know, piece together this mystery. Like if anyone on earth is going to do that, it's the people who are fucking obsessed with Sonic the Hedgehog. When you were researching this, like did you – go into Sonic forums? Like, how immersed in Sonic World did you get? I I tried to speak to all the, the main kind of Sonic forum people and mm-hmm. the, the Sonic fans who, who really broke the story and, and kind of started this whole conspiracy mystery. The real, like, hero of all this is, is Ben Melanson, who we, who we opened the piece with, who coincidentally was named after a Jackson track and uh, is the first one to to ever point out that there was a similarity between mm-hmm. uh, Michael Jackson and, and the Sonic 3 music, and he and, did so on a forum. Yeah, and that was for, when he did that, that was just a shot in the dark. Mm-hmm. He was just in a, he was just both a Sonic fan and a Michael Jackson right. fan. He's like, hey, these two things sound the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he said that he just has a knack of noticing similarities between stuff. Mm-hmm. But at the time, it was also early internet and early com- earlier computers, and so he had no way of 
uh, matching sound samples and stuff like that. Um, But at least his his, um, noticing the mystery allowed this sonic community to just kind of descend on <laughs> on all these people who were tangentially involved with Sonic 3 to, to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like this could have only happened today with, you know, I mean, this kid tried to do it 10, 15 years ago, couldn't prove it. Someone tried again in 2009 to prove it. It took till finally 2016 mm-hmm. for you, Todd, to come along just drive the stake into the heart of this rumor. Yeah, the, the way it came about, I don't think the the fervor or the energy behind this this mystery could have happened now because the the forums were so different back then. Mm-hmm. And then, weirdly, when one of the people who made a, a YouTube video that kind of broke um, the mystery to a much wider audience, he he released that uh, in 2006, the same year that YouTube started. And so there was way less competition. There wasn't yeah. a million videos going up every day. And so this kind of weird uh, internet mystery could could get uh, a million views and, uh, and now over two million. Um, that said, finding finding the resources and finding the contacts, we did use Facebook to, to, to track all these people. Yeah. Uh, not all of them, but many of them down. So. Mm-hmm. Plus and minus. Do you think that there would have ever been this kind of interest in this story if Michael Jackson was still alive? Yeah, I think whenever an artist uh, dies or mm-hmm. um, especially dies prematurely, you, you kind of idolize him. Uh, if if David Bowie uh, secretly soundtracked Mario, that would be a, a huge story, certainly. Yeah. Part of why this, this mystery uh, continued to exist is, is for whatever reason, Sonic kind of lost popularity over the years. And so um, that kind of ebbed out. And then Michael Jackson, uh, he's not in the news all the time. I mean, I think like one of the things that's also just so fun about it is that Michael Jackson is one, I mean, you know, partly because he's gone, he's still someone who, and also, I mean, related to the, the horrible allegations of him being a child molester. I mean, there's still so many mysteries around him. Like there's still so many things that I feel like were going on in his world that we will never know what really happened. And you like still hear these weird, like, much later rumors like uh, it sort of came to light somewhat like even this year the actor Russell Crowe was like Michael Jackson used to constantly prank call me which is it sort of fits in Michael Jackson's character Mm. that he would do prank calls Um, but the idea that it was also to Russell Crowe is really (laughs) funny Um, and like there's just such a weird wealth of like things Michael Jackson probably did that we will never hear about including scoring one of the most popular video games of all time. The rumors have been put to rest. We now know this one thing. We know one thing about (laughs) Michael Jackson. (laughs) Uh, The internet has been explored. We still don't know what happened to Bubbles. Actually, that's probably not true. I'm sure there's lots of information about what actually happened to Bubbles. But, uh, I mean, yeah, he's a fascinating, weird character. And... And also Michael Jackson, the thing about Michael Jackson is he's very un-internet-y. Um, I don't think he ever, before he died, seemed to be, and, you know, he wasn't a social media user at all. Doesn't necessarily seem like he was into the internet or computers or anything like that. His popularity sort of existed in this pre-internet time. And so the idea that we're able to unearth, like, internet rumors about him still is kind of charming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was very behind closed doors. Uh, mm-hmm. Even though like a, a the Sonic character could be 
designed after Jackson and you have these like weird connections there. Uh, his eccentricities uh, were usually kind of unknown to the public. Yeah. I mean, it also makes sense. I mean, whatever it is about Sonic that has spoken to people to make them like obsessive fans, like it kind of makes sense that that spoke to uh, Michael Jackson, maybe. Um, but speaking of obsessive Sonic fans, I have one final question for you. Do you believe Sonic and Tails kiss? <laughs> Do Sonic uh, and Tails kiss? I mean, Answer the question right now. You and Ryan have reported a lot about <laughs> this. Uh, from from <laughs> from your deep reporting, I, I, I think that that's true as well. Um, I think that no one can refute the fact that Sonic and Tails definitely kiss. <laughs> Thanks to uh, Julia Furlan. If she was a Michael Jackson sound, she would be, ooh! Um, thanks to Meg Kramer. If she was a Michael Jackson song, she'd be like, ooh, ooh! Um, Jenna Weiss-Berman would be, ah! And Eleanor Kagan would be, ooh, ah! Um, and thanks, of course, to Tan Lines for our theme song. I was saying in the email, but I've listened to all your... Episodes, well, so. I, I, all then, of our I feel like I owe you a huge apology. <laughs> <then>. <laughs>